How do you follow that? You know, one of the things, let me just, uh, let me just mention a couple of quick things about that song. It's so fresh on our minds. Um, some of those lyrics, your eyes are wide, and although your soul it can't be brought, your mind, uh, it can't, uh, excuse me, and your, though your soul it can't be bought, your mind can wander. And then he goes on, he talks about all this, all this can be yours, all of this, all of this can be yours, all of this, all of this can be yours. Just give me what I want, no one gets hurt. Those were some of the words really taken out of the Gospels and the temptation of Jesus by Satan in Matthew chapter 4. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's really pretty heavy-duty stuff. And in a very nonlinear way, which is hard for some of us, but in a very nonlinear way, it really describes that whole thing and the temptation and the vertigo and the fact that I don't know whether I'm up, I don't know whether I'm down, I don't know whether I'm, you know, I'm dizzy at times with some of the different quote-unquote opportunities and temptations. I use the word opportunities questionably there. Uh, I'm dizzy at times with some of the opportunities and temptations of life. And that's where I want to go with this, is to talk about that whole thing of, of temptations and how sometimes, I don't know, maybe you've been there. I have more than once where I've almost felt dizzy because sometimes what I knew was wrong almost seemed right, and what I knew was right almost seemed wrong, and you're kind of dizzy. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. how am I going to get some direction to this? I had, uh, I, Steve found something for us that I just really, I really appreciate because it, it kind of gives us some idea of, you know, when we talk about temptation, more than likely, when I say temptations, most of you think individually in your own mind of, of a particular one or two temptations that, that just really work on you. For some of you, it might be the opposite sex. For some of you, it might be just a big picture of a nice bottle of something or a drug of choice or ice cream. I mean, really. I mean, truthfully, nothing wrong with any of those things in the right context, of course. Well, here, Steve found this for us and uh, got this put together for us. Just take a look at some of the different temptations you can think about here. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I've said that before. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. New Living Translation of uh, Romans chapter 7. What I want to talk to you about this morning, and just in the moments that we have remaining, is just this whole thing of what I call avoiding spiritual vertigo. Avoiding, you could say, avoiding temptation. If you want to put it that way, you could, you know, when you, when you don't know which way is up and down and, and sometimes you do know, let's face it. Sometimes you do know and you go ahead and do it anyway. And that's another problem. It's still, still tough, but here's, here's something I want you to think about. For all of us, there are certainly destructive actions and thoughts and, and left unchecked, they could cause, and they could bring us great pain. However, and this is, I want you just to think with me a moment about this. These, are, these often have at their core a healthy appetite. 
a healthy appetite that somehow gets distorted and then possibly becomes even obsessive. Let me give you some examples by what I mean. Sex. It's a big temptation. I had a quote, by the way, that got cut. The censors cut it. It was something like this. It was from an English writer, and it went like this. Um, Temptation is woman's greatest weapon and man's greatest excuse. But anyway, I used it anyway. So anyway, I thought it was kind of kind of good. You've got to think about that a little bit, a little bit of delayed reaction. But, but sex is a, is, a, is a real temptation for a lot of people uh, with someone of the opposite sex or whatever. And yet, in and of itself, sex is very healthy. You know, people ask me all the time, well, uh, if it's wrong, how come I have this great desire? Well, it's not wrong in the proper confines and context of which God designed it. In fact, it's God's delighted about that. And we talked about that and, uh, a few weeks ago. If you don't have that, there's a just, it may not be back there now, but just, re, just get on online and you can request a CD about, about uh, getting good sex, is what was the name of that particular talk, getting good sex from the Bible. So, uh, and it, we talk a lot about that there, and, and, uh, and it's, it's something to think through. Um, food. Good gracious. Food's a necessity. Last time I checked. But you know as well as I do, food can become, can become a sinful habit. It can become an escape. It can become all kinds of things which causes us to sin at times. Um, alcohol, drugs, certainly serve a good purpose in many different, many different ways. Drugs can serve a good purpose in the right context. Um, alcohol can, can serve. I mean, many of us here would, would heartily agree that the right wine with the right meal just really enhances the meal, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But... There's a line again. When do you cross that line? You know? And for some who've said, you know what? That's one of those areas that I might cross, therefore I'm going to avoid that. You can't do that with food, unfortunately. But um, there are other things. Doubt is another one of those temptations. You know, and people say, oh, it's wrong to doubt. Hey, it's not wrong to doubt. Yeah, you know, have a frontal lobotomy and throw away your brain? I mean, doubt is, is caused by, by a person who's thinking. Hopefully, you'll get those doubts settled, and hopefully, you'll find some assurance for some of those doubts, particularly if those doubts have anything to do with, with life and God and a relationship with Him and, and the Bible and so forth. But it's not, you know, somehow in, in, in church, big C, uh, we've got this idea that, you know, doubt is some kind of a sinful thing. Oh, he has some doubts. I'm like, oh, what has he got, a leper or something? What, so what? Who doesn't? We're honest. Anger. Anger can be bad. We're also told in the, book, in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, that he says anger, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. We call that a, I don't know if it's a necessarily a good term. Traditionally, in, in church circles and commentaries, they call that there's a righteous anger or a righteous indignation. That's, that's sort of true, but I think we've probably abused the heck out of that. But anger at its roots might be, might be rooted, rooted or centered in something good. And you're angry about an injustice. You know, well, then how far do you go with that? Well, some people go to the point, well, they were unjust to me and this, this, therefore I'm going to shoot them. Well, obviously we've stepped over the line of when anger might be a healthy thing to drive us to do what is right and, and to make sure we're righteously anger, angry and we're able to give that to God and, and cause good action. You know, it might be a, a righteous anger might cause someone to say, 
because I'm so, I'm so upset of the, of the injustice that has happened in some parts of the world. And we've seen this particularly with African, some of the African nations, particularly out of Rwanda and, and the Sudan, where people have used that anger and said, I'm going to do what's right, and, and they go help. That's a good thing. Okay, so, so anger in its right context is, is not wrong. Now, we start getting angry with people and, and things like that. Obviously, we get a whole different deal there. Uh, greed. You know, to quote the, f- the famous, what's his name, Gordon Gekko, um, uh, greed is good. That was from the movie Wall Street, all right? Um, and he went on to say, if you remember the movie, or if you didn't see it, I'll just, you know, he basically was talking about how greed is good. It's, it's the roots of capitalism. Listen, greed has its roots in capitalism, capitalism which says if you don't work, you don't eat. That's a good concept. We cross over that line somewhere, and we want... You know, and then greed takes over, and it's a heart judgment, and I understand that. You can't say, well, that person's got this kind of car, or these many cars, or this big a house, or this, and therefore he is greedy. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because you, you got, you know, there's just too many, other, too many other factors that are involved. More than likely, though, if you're a person who's greedy, I'll bet in the bottom of your heart, on those late, dark nights, I'll bet you know it. I'll bet you know it. And hopefully you're dealing with it. Loneliness can be a good thing. It can drive us to find some fulfilling relationships in our lives. It's a good thing if it, does, if it has the right motivation to find some people around us who we can speak into their lives and they can speak into our lives, and that'll be good. However, loneliness the right way, you know what happens. People sometimes start making compromises, and they start, they start in some cases, get into relationships that are unhealthy because of their loneliness. So that's where you cross over that, that, that fine line that's so fine. I've even known people who've gotten married out of loneliness. And, and while certainly it's good to get married, and, and hopefully it will help you in your loneliness, if that's the sole reason for getting married, you might want to rethink that. Because you can still be lonely and married. And it's not the sole motivation for getting married. There better be some other things like, and they're like love and and honoring one another and believing I can serve God better together in life with this person than, than without and so forth. So anyway, here's the point. This may seem, <clears throat> excuse me, this may seem by the world, uh, this may be seen by the world, some of these issues, some of these temptations. It may be seen, we see this going on here. And in some cases, the world may not see it. It may just be stuff that's going on inside of you. It doesn't matter from God's perspective. You still need to deal with it. And, the, and, and really, just I briefly want to just go through these four things, avoiding what I call avoiding spiritual vertigo, some thoughts to help us avoiding spiritual vertigo. Um, and the first thing I want you to see about this is, is it's a real simple point. Uh, most of these are very simple, but I just want you to think through them. Uh, the first one is the transitory nature of temptations. The transitory nature, what do, you, what do you mean by that? I mean, temptations, temptations can be very revealing about who we are and what we are and what's going on inside us. Let me show you, let me, Thomas Kempis, great philosopher and theologian, said, we usually know what we can do, but temptations show us what we are. And they do. Some, you've been tempted in some area and you just thought, oh, I can't believe I was thinking that. You know? Um, Shakespeare has, I think, the greatest quote on this, um, other than the Bible, and maybe this is, this ought to be canonized, or at least I think it reflects the Bible. Um, Shakespeare said, temptation is the fire that brings up the scum of the heart. That's pretty powerful stuff. And I, I like that quote a lot because temptation sometimes, you ever been tempted to do something 
I'm going to repeat what I said a moment ago. Have you ever been tempted to do something and all of a sudden you're thinking about that and you're thinking, God, where did that come from? Maybe it's an adulterous relationship. Maybe it's a, just an intense hatred for someone. And, and all of a sudden, or maybe it's you know in business and this person does this to you and all of a sudden you have this, I'm going to get them alone and I just want to beat their head in. Ooh, that's not good. I don't care what they did to you. See, the temptation revealed, you got some issues here. We all have them. It's what we do with them that's important. So, let me show you what the Bible teaches on this, because this is really important. Uh, first of all is this. Um, first John. First, I'm going to show you three or four verses from First John. <clears throat> For the world offers only the lust of physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, Pride in our possessions, these are not from the Father. They are from this evil world, and this world is fading away along with everything it craves. Did you get that? This world is fading away along with everything it craves, but if you do the will of God, you will live forever. What he's saying is think. Think. What are the long, long-term effects of, of, of me crossing this, this intangible line here and going from wanting to do better for myself, and greed. Going from a good relationship with someone to an adulterous relationship with someone. What are the long-term effects of that? What are the long-term effects of, of, of really trying to put your best foot forward and stepping over that line and lying? I mean, this thing, you, you can go on and on and on with this whole thing. Um, the things that tempt us reveal our inner struggles and, they, and, and only have the ability to bring about short-term fulfillment, and we need to understand that. And the Bible tells us that. So we talk about the transitory nature of temptations. How much, you know, the old proverbial question, I think we've used it before in many different areas of life, but I think it's a good one to use. How am I going to feel in the morning? And the question that sometimes we have seen displayed in movies and plays and so forth, will you respect me in the morning? Sometimes the question is, am I going to respect myself in the morning, whether that morning is literally the next day or whether it's the next month or whether it's a year from now or whatever it happens to be? It's a good question to ask ourselves. It's transitory. And some of those things that we're drawn to when we're just, our heads are spinning, we can stop and say, wait a minute, think. I believe that's where God can come in in a relationship with him to help us think through some of those things as well because sometimes it's, it's, it's too blinding for ourselves. I'll show you a second principle. I call it the greater inner strength concept. The greater inner strength concept. What I mean by this is that for those of us, and this may not be everybody here, but if you're here, I want you to hear this, and if you're here and this is not where you are, you need to hear this too. For those of us who are followers of Christ, we have a greater inner strength for whatever temptation may be pushing at us. And I got to tell you, you know, when we talk about temptations, and I didn't mention this earlier, and I need to mention it here, and that is this. I, I can mention some of the temptations that I've already mentioned. Some of you are going, oh, yeah, okay, that he's right, but that, that's not a big deal for me. But, every, you know, the old saying, everybody has their price. You know, and, and, and I don't know what yours is. Maybe yours is all of a sudden that pension fund that's not a, couple million, you know, you're not going to sell out for $50,000 or $100,000. But that thing's $50 billion. And we've seen this in the news in the last few. That's $20 billion. You start putting the Bs in places of the Ms, and all of a sudden, whoa, where is my price? You know, and, and, we, and, and so, and, and it may be in that area. It may be in something else. You know, it may be just plain alcohol. 
It may just be plain sex. I don't know. It could be a whole lot of different things. But here's the point that I want you to see is whatever that is that's pulling at us, those of us who are followers of Christ have a greater strength. And I want you to see this from a couple of different places. Before I, before I tell you what that is, let me show you this from the great Roman philosopher. who I, I love a lot of Seneca's stuff. Watch this. We should every night call ourselves to an account. What infirmity have I mastered today? What passions opposed? What temptation resisted? What virtue acquired? Our vices will abate of themselves if they be brought every day to the shrift. Confessional is what he's using there. Our, our, vices, our vices will abate for them, of themselves if they be brought every day to the shrift of the confessional. While I like that concept, I want to just add a little addendum to that, and that is, I don't think that can happen outside of the power of God. I can't do that myself. I can't, as, in, the word, in the words that he uses, um, what infirmity have I mastered today? Well, there's some, I, there's some that continue to crop up. And outside of a relationship with God, I don't, I, I don't have the ability to overcome that. You know, and, and that's one of the things, I think that's one of the, one of the great things about a relationship with God. Um, I, I, told, I, I may have told this story before, and if I did, forgive me. And if I didn't, um, that's okay too. Um, but I'll never forget, one. Of, for those of you who don't know, one of the things I do is a prayer group uh, that, I, that I help lead in the UN with some ambassadors. And it's always interesting, especially these days. And I'll never forget um, talking about this whole concept of forgiveness one day. And, and I read some different passages. I usually just stick with passages of Jesus' words in the Gospels. And I talked about forgiveness and, and how we have to forgive. And, 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 you know, the thing that's so eye-opening to me, being born and raised, you know, in middle America and having a father who fought in World War II and being red, white, and blue from, you know, I have a father who to this day, if he sees a flag on the ground, goes and picks it up. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, I was raised in that kind of home. And um, as a result, you don't always have the perspective that you have. So when you hear other people talking about elections, and one time in the UN, I said, uh, after our last election, I sort of jokingly said, because you can't be political, but I said, how do you like our elections going on? And, of course, that was when all the stuff was going on between the swift boats and, the, and, the, and not showing up for duty, you know, the stuff going back and forth between Kerry and, and Bush. And I just sort of smiled. I said, how do you like our elections? And one of the guys said, um, we think they're fine because in our country somebody would die. And it kind of, it kind of, it's kind of a sobering thought, really. And one day I brought that up about forgiveness and, and the temptations that we have to hold on to things. And, and one guy told me about how he, his political enemy had shot him seven times, point blank range. This is an African country. And, uh, and you know, sort of moved his tie over and showed me a bullet hole and, and, and said, uh, and I said, and how are you doing with the forgiveness? And he said, it's pretty hard. And I thought to myself, I just get mad at people for talking ugly about me. I mean, you know. Um, and I said, it is pretty hard. And I said, and you know what? I don't think you can. Unless God gives you that ability. I said, I don't think you can. I can't. I said, I'll tell you, I can't. And I had nobody shot at me. But I still have a hard time forgiving if God doesn't give me that ability. And that's what we're showing here. We talk about there's a greater inner strength. I believe that's come from God. Unless you're made out of something that, that I'm not and nobody that I know of is. Let me show you this very quickly from the Bible. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. 
Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And he's speaking of God. And in the world, he's speaking of just evil, evil, evil spirits. You want to personify that to Satan, you could do that. He said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Ephesians 3 says it this way. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Now, glory be to God. By his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. You have that kind of power. And what you need to do on this whole thing, and I just want to hit it, Kind of quickly, but, but, but very, very, very pointedly, and that is this, you, if you haven't done this, need really to learn what your weaknesses are. That comes through just contemplation and, and, and prayer and maybe even asking some people who love you and who will speak truth to you, like a wife or a husband, hopefully you have that relationship, who will say, yeah, this is a problem. And, and, and I'll help you, but you need to deal with that. Um, learn to recognize your weaknesses. Have people help you who can do that. And then you need to avoid those settings that can compromise it. For, for some, of my, some of my friends here are alcoholics. It's a very simple thing for them. I, for some of them, they say, I just won't go anywhere where it is. For others, you can drink around me. It's no big deal, but, but you know, don't offer me, don't even offer me a communion glass with wine in it. That's why we have wine and grape juice when we have communion for both purposes. You know, it's very simple. And so I, I, I just, I, and I love that, that discipline that sometimes it might take. For you, maybe it's not that easy. Maybe you have a temptation with greed, but you still have to work in the workaday world of Wall Street or wherever it is happens to be in your business. And, and you've got to deal with dollars every day. And that may be one of those things where you just almost have to utter a, a daily, an hourly prayer. God, help me to have the right perspective. We can't always avoid some of those things in the world that we live in. If you have a problem with women and you're a guy, or the opposite. Somebody told me this week, and we have a little group on Friday morning. We call it uh, pregame. They talked to me about the the talk that I'm going to be coming up. And they said, you talk about temptations all the time from a man to a woman's perspective. And I said, yeah, I do. You know why? They said, why? I said, because I'm a man. That's why. Anyway. Anyway, I want, to try to be, I want to try to be equal opportunity here, equal opportunity temptations, but you get the point. Um, you can't, you know, if, you, if you're a guy like that, you can't avoid women everywhere you go. You're going to have something else. It's going to have to be an inner strength, a right attitude of what it comes and where it comes from and so forth. The greater inner strength concept. Third thing I want you to see, the great escape clause. I love this. The great escape clause. I thought that was kind of clever. You like that? The great escape clause. Anyway, yeah, 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 you're not tracking. Too early. The next crowd will get it. But anyway, um, <laughs> realize there's a way out. Listen, <laughs> this is Luther. This is Martin Luther. Temptations, of course, cannot be avoided, but because we cannot prevent the birds from flying over our heads, there is no need that we should let them nest in our head. <laughs> That's a good one. Figuratively, take that many different ways. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians said this. It's in a couple of... This is just... This is just... This is great. Here it is. If you think you're standing strong, be careful for you too may fall into the same sin. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation 
He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. That's a promise from the Bible. You say, well, I don't know, Rich. I've been in some of those situations that were really, really strong. So have I. We all have. And that's where sometimes we just got to dig a little deeper and say, God, I got to have some, I got to have some strength here because I'm not doing too well right now in my head. But that's a neat promise, and I love going to that. There is a great escape clause. Last thing I want you to see is what I call the mercy rule. Isn't the mercy rule a great thing? Those of you who don't have kids, they have the mercy rule in Little League and so forth, where if they get, it depends on where you are, 10, ten runs ahead after certain innings, they, it's called the mercy rule and the game stops. And it's really nice because they didn't have the mercy rule when I was a kid. And I still think I'm living out some of my complexes from then. One time, one time we just got, just got hammered by this team and you're just sitting out there in the field, you know, and just getting, you're down 20 to nothing and you're like, I'm just, you know, of course, at that age, it, it, at that age, what am I talking about? At this age still, you, you put so much of your identity in whether you win or lose. And, you know, it's just like it's terrible. So that's the mercy rule. Uh, I first became familiar with the mercy rule in Colorado where our son was playing football. And, and you, you need to understand the mountains of Colorado where we live, we lived in Vail. You have to tra- travel two or three hours to, to play another another team we're talking about football volleyball or whatever and and we'd always go to either the outskirts of denver or the outskirts of grand junction where the schools were bigger and badder and more kids and all the other kind of stuff some of these teams would beat us you know 58 to nothing and they had instituted after one of those the the mercy rule for that for that league in 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 colorado and uh boy was i glad because i just you're feeling bad there for your son out there just getting his head beat in but that's the mercy rule well i got another mercy rule for you from a spiritual perspective Sometimes you do give in. <laughs> I often say this. You know, if you saw the passion, if you recall, and it, I thought they depicted it very well, Jesus was tempted to the point. Remember this? He was tempted to the point where he was sweating blood. He was so tempted. I've never been tempted that strongly. You know why? I give in long before that. I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes you don't even work up a sweat. Okay, you know. So, so, so that's, that's the issue here. But I mean, that's really kind of cool when you, when you see how Jesus, how Jesus he, and that the Bible teaches that. Sometimes you give in, sometimes you give up, sometimes you quit trying. Sometimes you just screw up everything beyond belief by your own stupidity and by your own self-inflicted actions that are destructive and damaging to many people besides yourself. And it may be for the total world to see. And it may be something only you know about. Well, here's my great passage. I got to close with this. I just got to close with this. It's Hebrews chapter 4. All right? Don't show it yet. Come on up, guys. Let's get the guys on up here. And I want to read this as they're coming up. Because um, gonna, they're going to sing a song after this that, that, that kind of goes along with that. This is... Um, let me just give you just a couple of th- things as they're walking up. The whole, the whole deal of mercy and grace and help and dealing with temptation, this is one of those passages for me. It may not be for you, but for, for me, I just go to frequently for a lot of different reasons. I, I don't really have to go to it anymore because I've memorized it. And, and, um, but I want you to see this because this is just so good. And, 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 and as you do, let me just say this. No, I don't want to say that. Um, no. I shouldn't do that, should I? 
this is one of the reasons. I, I want to be careful because I don't want to be. I don't want to put down anybody. I don't want. I don't want to beat up on anybody. And 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 I could do that pretty easily with this passage because of the whole priest thing and the priesthood of the believer, which I, I strongly believe. And some of you have a Roman church background. God love them. I have good friends. I love many of them. But this is one of the areas where I feel like they really missed the boat. And I need to say that in a loving way because this is this is just this is just the Bible. This isn't church tradition. This is Renaissance didn't come up with this. This is just the Bible. Okay, and, and you've and you got to see this. This is, this, is, this is the difference, I think. Uh, one of the big differences in, in, in a lot of different kinds of Christian faiths. And you've got to hang on to this mercy rule thing strongly. It's Hebrews chapter 4. Look at it beginning in verse 14. That is why we have a great high priest. That's not me. That's not a person. That's Jesus. That's why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us cling to him and never stop trusting This high priest of ours understands, I love this, understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same temptations that we do, yet he did not sin. All of the same temptations that you have faced, he has faced. Say drugs, they got all kinds of stuff, including alcohol. Women, you don't think there wasn't some temptation in that area for him? Good gracious, he had a former hooker that hung out with him. I'm serious. Um, I mean, it, 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 you say greed? He could have done. He could have had anything. Money? He could have had it all. Faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. Now watch. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, that we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help just at the right time. Gosh, I love that. And that last, that last find, find grace to help, help at the, as, excuse me, to help us when we need it is really one Greek word. And you know what it means? It really could be better, better translated. Just at the right moment, he's there. Just at the right moment. I go and I go, I can't, I can't. And then God says, I'm here for you. Boom. That's a relationship with God. That's mercy. And that's grace. Gives us the ability to overcome, gives us the ability to escape, and he still gives us forgiveness when we don't. And we can't miss that truth. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this truth. Thank you for Jesus and that he lived and suffered and died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us eternal life and abundant life. We thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that by your grace and by your mercy, we would continue just to walk on and just keep right on moving. In Jesus' name, amen.